0: The Exec NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Natalie Cucciara. Natalie is an executive MBA format student in our class of 2020, and she and I recently sat down to talk a little bit more about how she, as a journalist, decided to pursue an MBA, uh, what led her to Darden, what she's enjoyed about her experience so far, as well as her recent global residency trip to China. So without further ado, Here's my conversation with Natalie Cucciara. Natalie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So for our listeners, we start all these conversations the same way. Who are you and what do you do?
1: My name is Natalie Cucciara. I am in EMBA 2020. I just got back from China. Encourage you all to uh, go to China um, if you are going to join the program for your uh, trip. Uh, I am a senior coordinating producer at NBC News. I work on our Sunday show, Meet the Press, the longest running television show in history. Going to get that plug in there. And I have been at NBC News my entire career since I graduated undergrad here in D.C.
0: So um, how long did you think about you know, pursuing an MBA? Was it a thought that occurred to you close to the time of applying? Had it always been a goal of yours?
1: It had always been a goal of mine because my father and my mother both never went to college and both had their own small businesses. My dad owns a company in Boston, Massachusetts that manufactures regatta and mozzarella. It's a company that my grandfather started when he immigrated from Sicily. And my mother owned a travel agency when I was younger and before I was born. And that was a business that had been her father's, um, that she then took over and to see what they were able to do with Um, with their businesses, that they were able to make that all happen without even having an undergrad degree, let alone a graduate degree. I always thought, well, hmm, maybe I can do something with their businesses or with my own business one day or within whatever um, career I wanted to pursue with, with an MBA. And then after going to college and studying political communication, and then ending up at a major broadcast network, uh, I've been able to see things that I would want to see changed within the company and within the industry. And I'm interested in seeing how I can transfer my skills in my career and everything that I'm learning and all the network working I'm doing here at Darden into, uh, into a career going forward.
0: So, uh, how did you get interested in Darden or how did you end up at Darden?
1: So uh, one of my mentors at work is actually, he just graduated from the program, Tony Capra. He was an EMBA 2018, and he would not stop talking about the program at work. And then when I started doing a little bit of my own research, I realized that Darden was really the place for me. It's extremely convenient. All the people that I met were um, both the faculty and the um, students at the time, and the prospective students were incredible. And I knew it was a community that I wanted to be a part of.
0: So you are now, gosh, four quarters in or so
1: about to finish the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think about because thinking about going forward, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. We almost only have a year left.
0: I know that's the, um, it's funny to hear people do this math. Are you, uh, 40% 40% of the way done? Or are you, you know, almost halfway done? It's a question half full, half empty sort of thing.
1: Oh gosh. When you say it like that, <laughs> it really does seem like, I mean, it's, it seems like 40%, 40% is a scary number because I definitely think part of me. And then when I'm in a, in the middle of an exam, I probably will say differently. I definitely want it to be more like, I still have, you know, 60% of the program to go, but, um, Yeah. Okay. 40%, 40% down 60 to go. I, I, I felt, I feel right now more like I'm only 20 in Mm -hmm. and still have 80 to go.
0: Well, the, the reality is the program moves very quickly. I think this is one of the things that we talk with prospective students about a lot. And I'm interested in your thoughts on this, how quickly you move from one thing to the next thing. And you're constantly getting new classes every couple of months you get new classes. So you mentioned, you just went to China um, that's your, your global residency. Do you plan to do a second global residency? Are you going to try to do a second global residency?
1: Uh, right now we're in the midst of bidding for electives for Q9 and Q10. And one of, I am bidding on an elective to go abroad again. I don't think I'll be able to get the time off for, to be able to do one of the, um, global residencies that are left, but one of the, um, you know, either the India trip that's still left for the 2020 years or the European trip. Um, and that's just because the timing doesn't really work out, but, um, there are four other trips that we're hoping to do in Q9 or Q10. And I'm definitely bidding, um, to go on one of those because the experience going abroad with Darden was incredible, um, to be able to see China and to do it. And through the lens of, um, of our classes and our economics professor, uh, Dennis Yang taking us, um, you know, he's a, he's a native, um, he's from Beijing to be able to learn from him both in the classroom and outside the classroom was incredible. And then to be with our operations per- professor, uh, Raul Chow, and to be at these businesses outside of Shanghai, to go to GM and to go to Santoni, which is a circular knitting manufacturing, um, company. It was just incredible. It was an incredible experience.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who may be wondering, uh, there's many ways you can go abroad in our program, right? So. Uh, All students have a global experience. If you're an executive MBA format student, you do one global residency with the option to potentially do a second one. There's a few caveats. We'll talk about that. Um, And then global executive MBA format students go on all four global residencies. Currently, we go to Brazil, China, Western Europe, and India. So Natalie just went went to China. If you're an executive MBA format student, the second global residency is space permitting. Um, So we also have global electives. Uh, that are called Darden Worldwide Courses. We offer those uh, specifically for executive format students. Uh, What's the slate of Darden Worldwide Courses that's being discussed?
1: So there's another trip to China being discussed. Japan, which I actually did a pit stop um, in on my way back from China, which I would highly encourage anyone to to go to Japan, but also Uganda and Cuba. And I'm most interested in trying to go to Cuba.
0: That is always a popular one. We've gone to Cuba now for a few years and the students... um, just talk about, it's amazing a little bit back in time, you I know, mean, obviously t- everybody talks about the cars that, that you see there. Um, yeah.
1: I think that the, the opportunities for business there and, and the lack of opportunities for business there will be, um, incredibly, uh, interesting to see, you know, with, with the Darden, with the Darden, with my classmates and, and the professors.
0: So let's talk a little bit about how you ended up in China. So was it really schedule that drove your decision initially, or was it, you just had an interest in In China,
1: so I wanted to go to China, hands down, and then it was just luck and fate that it was the best timing for me as well. Um, In my job, uh, the political cycle and the political the schedule of presidential um, elections kind of dictates everything that I do. So it was um, Brazil was right during a. The election, the midterm elections, and then ramping up to the presidential election, there will be um, there will just be a ton of things that will be having to be done during India for me and during Europe. So I really wanted to go to China. I was super excited that that the timing worked out, and the reason why I wanted to go to China is I felt like it was one of those trips that I probably wouldn't have done on my own. And I thought that the opportunities that Darden would be able to offer to be able to see, um, to see businesses and to go on tours and learn from. You know, our our team in Shanghai and then their group of um, tour operators and folks that they work with in China was going to be the most enriching experience. And, and then obviously China is a huge uh, player in the current, you know, the Chinese tariffs and and China as the major producer for the world. It, it just seemed like a no brainer for me.
0: Yes. So for those of you who are wondering, well, how how did Natalie get to choose to go to China? So typically early June for all the incoming students we will send out a survey and we ask students to rank preference. Uh, This is for the executive MBA format students, because again, they're going on one of the four global residencies. So we ask students to rank preference the four trips, one being most preferred, four being least preferred. So if you want to go to China, obviously you'd rank that one. And then you know, whether it's Western Europe, India, Brazil, any of the other places that we go, you would rank uh, those accordingly. And then uh, we tend to slot based upon, you know, those who respond the quickest. So if it's super important to you where you're going, try to respond quickly to that survey. Um, So a little bit of technical background. So um, people always want to know about what students do on these trips. And we stress time and again, these are not tourist experiences. Um, These are very much business trips, but maybe you can walk us through a little bit what you experienced in China. Obviously it's tough to pack a full week and into a podcast, but
1: um... well, I actually just, I just finally finished my draft of my email to my parents. I told them kind of just like tongue in cheek, a few of the things that we had done, but I finally wrote down like day by day what I had done and it was a truncated version. So let's just try and, and recap that. Um, so we visited uh, in China, we visited Shanghai and Beijing. We started in Shanghai, which is like the New York. There are just skyscrapers everywhere. The vast sheer amount of you know tall buildings that you see is incredible, um, and, and you just really see the China's um, growth. So we did. Uh, we had, you have classes during the morning and, and it's just for three to four hours. I can't even really remember how long it was, but it goes by so quick. And then we had, um, site visits in the afternoon. A couple of those site visits were instead, um, tours that we did, but it was a tour of, um, Shanghai seeing how the, you know, seeing what, what some of the class would call a, a ghetto, but it was really just like the old Shanghai and what, um, folks were living like there and then seeing that in the juxtaposition of these large buildings and how how Shanghai and China are changing. Um, And we went to CGM and we um, we saw cars being made on the factory floor, which was incredible. And then we went to another company, Santoni, as I mentioned earlier, we visited the Olympic Committee in Beijing, um, leading up to the 2022 uh, Beijing Olympics, which uh, Beijing will be will have the Winter Olympics, and it will be the first city ever to have both a summer and a winter Olympics. And seeing how they're able to kind of repurpose some of the stadiums for the Winter Olympics was very interesting. And in seeing how they're they're repurposing an entire old steel factory just that was kind of um, it, it was. Just such an emblem of what China was, and to see how they're trying to be green and sustainable and and recycle and repurpose um, was incredible. And then, you know, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we took you know we had some dinners together the best night is definitely the day we all went to the great wall we have class in the morning then we all get on a bus from beijing we go to the we went to the great wall and we were able to explore it and and that was just fascinating and then we were able to have dinner in a village with one with this american man who had married this chinese woman decided they wanted to retire to this little village right near the great wall of china and build this company. Um, they are, it's They're, they're in hospitality and they do retreats and have a hotel, but they've essentially employed the entire town. So that was incredibly interesting and, and just such a unique experience to have, um, with, with my classmates.
0: So we always talk about how the cases that you're reading in the classes that you're taking align with what you're doing while you're in, Mm -hmm. in that particular country. Um, can you talk a little bit more about, about some of that and how perhaps some of these factory or company visits help to sort of better understand operations or economics?
1: Sure. So operations and economics for going to China were the perfect two classes to have, um, economics, because you are learning how the Chinese, um, economy is currently operating, where it is in the world right now, um, and how, how different it is than ours. And you're seeing it, uh, you're seeing the, you know, their incredible GDP and how they're, um, building these, these massive cities. And I think one of the most of my classmates would agree one of the times that we saw it, um, the most prominently was when we were on the train from Beijing to, from, excuse me, Shanghai to Beijing. And you just saw these just like villages, 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 and then bam, a, you know, a huge city. And you'd never even heard of the city before. And you looked it up and you're like, oh, there's, you know, tens of millions of people there. Um, and, th- and that was just kind of incredible also to, to learn about um, how urbanization is changing, you know, the economic economics of, uh, of China and then in operations to be able to see how um, both at GM and then at Santoni, Santoni, um, this company that I spoke of earlier, that was this um, circular knitting machines. like think if you have like Lululemon pants or like Nike, the new Nikes, I forget what they are, but they basically have no seams on them, the shoes. That's what these machines that are made um, at this company do. And to see how Santoni essentially took so many of their suppliers, built out warehouses on their um, on their property, and essentially have their suppliers right there to be able to um, kind of control lead time and, and to manage their operations. That that was pretty incredible. And then just GM, just their. Um, the, I wish that we could have taken pictures at the GM factory because it was just insane to see cars literally being made and it was all automated. And, um, to see the amount of automation versus, um, factory workers What, with, with just another part of operations that, you know, I, I walked around, um, GM actually with professor Chow and, it was great to be able to have his tidbits and his thoughts as we were going through and to be able to, to bounce my thoughts and ideas and everything I was seeing off of him.
0: Were you surprised by the amount of automation?
1: Yes. Yes. It was, there was it where there wasn't automation. It was like down to a science and how, how they were able to to put these cars together. And if, you know, if you were supposed to start at point a and finish point B, the, the nuts and bolts that you were screwing in somewhere and you went a little over point B, it stopped the entire production line. And it w- it was fascinating to see how they were trying to fix every little, um, fix anything where they could at the point where it could be fixed so that they weren't, didn't have cars going off the lot that would not pass inspection. Wow. It was very cool. I, yeah. we, I think we all wish we had photos of it to be able to explain it, um, through visually, which we is just
0: so people to listen to the podcast. right? There you go. Yeah. So, um, I'll
1: I'm draw f- you a picture. I'm
0: sure some of our listeners are wondering, okay, so Natalie, you know, works in sort of news journalism and, uh, Obviously, it doesn't sound like a tradition, quote unquote, traditional background. Um, MBA had obviously been important to you, given your, your personal history. How do you see an MBA potentially influencing your career and what you want to do? Uh,
1: sure. I feel as if in um, the you know, I'm in a strictly editorial role where I am working on what is, how we are going to produce television and get our show on the air, um, and what we are going to cover and how we are going to cover it. At the other end of the spectrum, we are a huge media conglomerate. You know, NBC is owned by Comcast and I feel like there are so many decisions that are obviously makes sense in a way but i don't understand how they're being made or how how we are connecting with with our sales and development and and business side of of things so when a couple of years ago when i started to work more closely with some folks in sales and marketing i got really interested in seeing how they worked and felt like they didn't talk to our side enough. Um, and, and we could just make smarter decisions and be more strategic. Um, and that's kind of when I was like, you know what, maybe now is the right time for, um, me to explore my MBA and see how I could kind of translate my set of skills plus an MBA into something that would just make the company better.
0: So what's your experience been like in the classroom? Um, there are not too many of your classmates who have your exact background. No. Um, we always stress <laughs> that that is a, a strength for folks, right? You bring a really unique perspective, but I'm curious to hear how sure. <laughs> how your classmates have influenced your thinking, uh, how you've influenced their thinking.
1: Well, at the beginning, it was daunting. I'm just going to put it out there for anyone who doesn't have a quant back background. Do not, if you're feeling like, what am I doing here? The first couple classes, classes, do, do not fear because there are also other, there are also um, qualitative classes, you know, soft skills classes per se that you will excel in compare and learn and be able to teach your um, your classmates so much about. And a good example was like this past quarter we had management communication. And we had one day in particular where we were talking about crisis communication and how, how to deal with, um, you know, a, a tweet or something that just blows up in your face. And then how as a company you're able to deal with it and then deal with um, with media and and get your communi- – communicate both internally and externally. And um, I've received so much feedback, so many – so many comments, so much feedback from all of my classmates thanking me for my contributions in class um, because they were able to, go, to understand more what it's like to be on the side of media or even um, just someone with a communications background where their head is at. Um, so that was, you know, that made me think, of, all right, so when I'm feeling like I have no idea what's going on in, um, you know, in some of these other classes, uh, I definitely have something to contribute. And, and we all do. I think that that's been one of the most enriching things about the experience at Darden is that in the classroom, you learn something from every single one of your classmates, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's outside the classroom, something they're doing, they want to bounce an idea off you, you want to bounce an idea off them. And, um, you know, I, my, I just have to put a plug out there for the 2020 years. Everyone in the class is so helpful, so interested in one another, and uh, we've just created such a great community in these in these past four quarters.
0: There was a, we did this Hill event this past Friday, um, should note we're recording this in early, early April or so. And uh, we were on the Hill uh, with a few of your classmates and uh, one of them said, you know, I didn't come with a lot of accounting and finance background. So everything I learn is just like, it's all upside from there, right? It's uh, where someone who comes with a really deep experience in finance, uh, they'll learn some things for sure. Um, but there is this sort of potential um, that the student noted that you just have an opportunity to really sort of flesh out you know, so, many, so many things and so many subject areas you may not have been previously exposed to.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that one of the, one of the things that I think that I am doing differently is I'm even reading the newspaper differently or reading, reading news or watching news differently. If I'm watching CNBC or if I'm reading The Wall Street Journal, I, have, I understand so much more now than I did before flip side of that, I think is that there are a lot of my colleagues that are reading or, or listening to things or having experiences at work where they didn't really know how to tackle. Maybe it was more of a management, um, problem or issue that they were having that now in some of the classes, they're really, they're really being able to apply the skills that we learn, um, on a daily basis in real time.
0: Do you feel, um, You know, we do talk about that a lot with folks. Do you feel like the program, in addition to sort of how you read read the paper or think about the news, do you feel like the program is making you better at work or changing your perspective at work?
1: Yes. I think that (laughs) that maybe part of it is also making me a little more frustrated that we're not covering some things that I'm like, wait, this is extremely important. I know that we cover political news, but we need to be focusing or shifting and and paying attention to this or that. Um, I would say absolutely. I, I think that.
0: So a um, little bit of a related question. We oftentimes get the question from folks about the mix of people in the classroom um, and will I fit in the classroom? Or, and we talked a little bit about contribution and how everybody has something to share. Talk a little bit about sort of the mix of people in your class, you know, diversity, where they come from, how they've influenced in your learning.
1: Sure. So I think um, one of the best right off the bat, I had gotten a learning team and my learning team consisted of folks who were both um, from the United States and who had immigrated to the United States and being able to have that different perspective was incredible. Also, I think being able, you know, obviously the career um, differences you're able to learn from. Folks who are um, coming from a military background, moving to a civilian background, folks who are um, you know have those the finance or the accounting background, folks who are doing something totally different. I mean, we have such an awesome group of one of my you know my closest friends in the program. She was the mayor of a town in California and a lawyer, and now she's now she's here. Um, my or one of my other really good friends. She is a scout for the for the Jags, um, so there's such a mix of of people here and to be able to hear their stories is so impressive because um, on the surface you might hear, Hey, you know, Tony is this or that or that other turns out that, Oh yeah, but he also has three kids. His wife's about to have another kid. He's doing this and um, you know, he's up for X, Y, and Z promotion. And I think that you have such a respect and an understanding of, Hey, whatever we're all going through together, we're going to help each other get through it because on the outside, there's so much more going on in all of these people's lives. And and we're all here for the generally the same purpose. Um, And no matter what, we'll we'll all be bonded by this going forward. I mean, and just to just put a plug out there for the women who are thinking of going into this program, we have had two women so far, excuse me, three women now so far in my class who have had children during the program, um, who are doing excellent in the program. And they are such important members. You know, everyone is such an important member of the classroom. Um, and no matter what, your darn classmates and your families will help you through this. But I will tell you that when i walk into the classroom, I'm like, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I can't imagine what half of these people. Um, I'm so in awe of all my classmates for what they're able to accomplish. But really, like, you're going to get through it and you're going to get through it with your classmates.
0: Yeah. That's uh, now a few classes in a row that we've had women have babies or uh, dad's become first time. fathers. Oh, I All feel like kind of
1: every stuff. week, every time we have an on grounds, it's like anyone have anything to share and someone's become, there's been one um, member of, of the class. It's like, yep, I'm a new dad.
0: Yeah. So the, um, it's, you know, for for those of you who are wondering, gosh, how do they find all this out? Is it just conversation between classes? There's a fun, you know, five to ten minute period before classes kick off on on grounds residencies where it's homeroom and everybody shares whatever news they might have. It could be personal in nature. You know, where my wife and I, uh, my husband and I, are having having a child, or we just had a child, or. I just got a promotion, whatever it is, or anything that's going on in your life that you think is important enough to share with your classmates. And, uh, life does go on while you're in this program.
1: And I would just say that even beyond homeroom, um, which is what we call those first few minutes, uh, we have developed a Slack channel that is like basically hourly. Um, there are, uh, updates or different channels that there are conversations going on and our group, you know, our, both the Roslyn, both cohorts, we are in touch with each other. Um, you know, on a daily basis, we always have a a way to communicate with one another and kind of know what's going on in each other's lives, but also be like, Hey, did you read this? Or, Hey, were you able to figure out this problem, this or that? So, um, it's, it's a wonderful community.
0: Yeah. One of the things that we're really excited about with the for the class of 2021, is that on those weekend residencies, um, at least the domestic quarters and obviously the global quarters, some students will be traveling, some students will be here, but both sections will be in Roswell. Oh,
1: I'm, I feel like that's going to be so awesome for them.
0: You just all the networking that will happen, all the relationship development, the fact that you'll see people. I think we did the math, it's going to be like 14 times that the full class will be together during the 21 months of the program. Currently, it's around like six. Or so. I think
1: that that's one thing that just being in China. And then before when we've had folks, when, when folks were in Brazil, so there were folks up from um, Charlottesville here in DC, it was like, wait, I'm not going to see you for, you know, five more months or this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So that that's going to be awesome.
0: So um, obviously you noted you are either 40% done done, or you have 60% to go at the, at the outset. So, um, but what, it, what advice, I mean, you've now been through a, Couple domestic quarters, you're working your way through your second global quarter here. Um, what advice would you have for people who are looking at Darden and thinking about going back to get an MBA and wondering? Well, Can't obviously
1: listen to to Brett's podcast um, for all of these um, insightful interviews that will give you all the information that you need to know. But um, reach out to perspectives. Uh, if you're a prospective student, reach out to current students, go to a class, go to the events. Really, um, you know, I think that one thing that when I was a prospective student that reinforced why I wanted to be at Darden was hearing the same thing over and over again from multiple um, current students and former students, being able to hear that their experiences were similar. It wasn't just that one person had a great experience and then, you know, you were going to hear something different from someone else. Uh, I think that we are all, um, we all want to be resources and, and continue to create this community that we, that we are so involved in and we, um, are so happy to be a part of. Um, I also would say that if you, um, if you get in and if you want to uh, want to join the community here at Darden, make sure that you understand the importance of your learning team once you become a student. Learning teams are your lifeline. They are the people that will be there to have your back when you have had, you know, three trips in one week for work and you are trying to get ready for on grounds, and you haven't read half of, um, half of the work that you're supposed to do. Um, you know, and also believe that it does, the workload does get a little better. Um, because I remember that I was daunting for me at first and I know it was for some of my, for some of my classmates, but, um, you're, you're all in it together and you're going to get through it together.
0: Yeah, you get better at school, right? Yes, for sure. And you I mean, case method's hard. You don't know what's important when you first start reading these cases. But the idea is that the class creates a feedback loop for you. Yep. What should you be paying attention to?
1: And then when you're in class, I think that one of the things that I I learned and a lot of other, um, my classmates learned was, you know, people want to hear your opinion and people want to hear what you have to say. And people want you to ask that question because if I'm lost in class and I don't understand something, I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, and if I have something to say that's unique and could be different or bring, you know, make make everyone in the class kind of think a little harder about like, well, what if it was from this perspective or that perspective? Ask the questions um, because your classmates will thank you for it. Um, thank you for it after the, after you do it.
0: Yeah. We talk a lot about how important, uh, class participation is at Darden. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a significant chunk of your grade. Um, but participation doesn't necessarily always mean, you know, making a comment. It could be just asking a question, um, contributing. Mostly
1: and most, sometimes the most insightful are asking a question Mm -hmm. or being able to put the class, the classroom, you know, pause the classroom for a second to be able to make sure that everyone's kind of caught up or to ask why it's why it's not x why it's y um and and you might end up you usually do learn up learn more from that question being asked than you would without it being asked
0: yeah that's kind of what the whole learning experience is about is just how to ask really great questions that kind of get to the heart of what's going on in a particular issue
1: yeah for sure
0: well natalie thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you
1: it's been great thanks so much
0: And that was my conversation with Natalie Cucciara, an Inbo Format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the Exec MBA podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at Darden.Virginia.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.